In this episode of the Get Out and Drive podcast, we've got another crazy story from Travis Bell of Celebrity Machines. Make sure you stay tuned to the very end. You're listening to the Get Out and Drive podcast with John Custom Car Nerd Meyer and Jason Old Car Guy Car. We'll be bringing you gearheads everything you never wanted to know about cars and why they should be on the road and not in your garage. Are you ready to get out and drive? Guys, welcome back to another episode of the Get Out and Drive podcast. My name is Jason Old Car Guy Car. And I am John Custom Car Nerd Meyer. Now, I know we talked about the General Lee. What were you hinting to to what you did this weekend? Or can so, you not say that? Yeah, yet? no, I can say now. I uh, couldn't say four days ago. Um, <laughs> the, um, the hunt for the General Lee also started the hunt for, the, for a Bluesmobile or also started the hunt for original Knight Rider cars or also started the hunt for, you know, it was all Hollywood star cars for me. And mm-hmm. back it through, you know, when Jason and I were growing up, you know, um, a, a television star car wouldn't generally get more fan mail than the, than the people that drove the car. And the General Lee received more fan mail than any actor on the show. And Warner Brothers would send back a postcard with like a, tr- a tire track across it as General Lee's autograph back in the day to all the kids that would write in. The, the finding the fall guy trucks and finding this thing. So I, for some reason, every one of my goofy star cars that I went looking for was a Mopar and God help me. Um, I've got more money in old Chrysler's. I started looking for the Transcon medevac from the cannonball run. And I had no idea that the cannonball run was an actual thing. And the Transcon medevac was an actual vehicle that raced in the 79 cannonball run. And then, um, in my hunts and, and looking and looking and looking, because if you, if you can find the first general Lee, I mean, hell you can find anything at this point. And uh, a map was just a place to start looking. So um, I tracked it down to a couple of different things and, and realized kind of what happened to the original transcom medevac and then became friends with Brock Yates. I would call Mr. Yates and this is, you know, diamond P sports, Mr. Yates, Brock Yates, you know, car and driver editor, uh, pit reporter for the 79 Daytona 500, one of the greatest day. I mean, he would take my phone calls and he'd be like, it's the disc jockey. And I'd be like, Mr. Yates. And, you know, he'd be like, it's Brock. I'm like, oh God, here we go again. But um, I would pick his brain about the Transcon Medivac. And he had a lot of information on how it was built and, and who built it and, and things, because of course he was the co-driver in the 79 Cannonball Run with Hal Needham and his wife, Pam, was the patient and Lyle Royer was the doctor. So that was the final cannonball run that actually happened. But what they did is they handed all the teams, these little notepads and said, if anything happens along the way, write it down. So the Hal and Brock took that and turned it into a script, used the same ambulance in which they broke down and it did not finish uh, for Bert and Dom and, and uh, Farah and uh, I can't remember his doctor's name, but uh they all drove in the movie. So in the real 79 cannibal run, the competitive race, uh, everybody was afraid of the greatest idea in road rally. I mean, because if you show up in a Lamborghini or Ferrari, you're going to get stuck in traffic. You're going to get pulled over. Um, it was always the gimmick that made the cannibal run versus the speed versus getting there. Because of course you've got to get from coast to coast, but how you get there is, you know, what do you do when you've done it all you do cannonball. So, um, <laughs> Everybody was afraid of the of their great idea that they had, but they had the most ridiculous setup with a 502 big block Chrysler Mopar, a Dick Landy motor with a with a quicker transmission, 
in a, in a van that is less than a year old that they ordered that color, orange and white, with these two terrible aerodynamic light bars on the roof and, uh, you know, Hellway sway bars, built-in shocks, and just a terrible idea. But it sounded like a Winston Cup car, and everybody got to it, and it was, like, scared to death, like, they're going to put it on us. This is the greatest idea. Needless to say, the 79 Cannonball, it went about 100 feet and broke down. And oh, no. um, they ended up breaking into a uh, uh, an auto parts store at the Good Wife Shopping Center to get the correct jets for the Holly 850 that they put on it back wow. then. That's like a and bucket then, with a hole in it. It was ter- the worst idea. And so they made it to Effingham, Illinois, and then it started spitting transmission fluid to uh, a level that rivaled the Exxon Valdez. <laughs> and then um, so they literally had the the cover in between the two seats kicked over to the side so they could keep transmission fluid in it down the dipstick hole and they made it to the palm desert and it caught fire and so in the palm desert uh is bell's truck stop or, or i can't remember claude bell was what it did anyhow has the tyrannosaurus and the and the, it's in Wee's big adventure right um that's a truck stop in the palm desert and that's where the original transcon medevac of the 1979 cannonball died and it ended up getting towed in from the from the truck stop there to the Portofino Inn. So in 1979, it had a DNF, but they took everybody's little booklets and turned it into a script, shot the movie in 80, movie came out in 81. Um, it's all these different stories that kind of actually happened with a little comedic twist. Um, the ambulance is shown to break down in the movie and they're, they're working on it, but it never finished. Uh, so for 45 years, the Transcon Medevac has had a DNF. It did not finish. So I took everything that Brock told me because the original Transcon Medevac had been auctioned off to the NASCAR Women's Wives Auxiliary because Hal Needham owned Harry Gant's Skull Bandit number 33 with Burt Reynolds. And Hal always told me, he said, if you ever want to lose a lot of money, buy a NASCAR team. <laughs> and um, so I explained to them that I was rebuilding the Transcon Medevac exactly how they did it with the 502, the exotic transmission, and a Holly 850. And they both looked at me and said, now, why would you want to do that? Because they realized <laughs> that everything that they went through, I was about to go through because that experiment does not work. And especially when you're putting a 502 big block in that little tiny bubble in the front of a 78 B200 sportsman van. Um, but I did, I, I did, I had a, everything that they said, uh, that was in the book and Mr. Yates and when, as Mr. Yates, he, uh, had Alzheimer's and I was always afraid to call him because I knew he wasn't well, but I needed to know like things like the rear view mirrors. And there were these dinky little rear view mirrors. And, um, I was like, uh, Mr. Yates, I'd call him and it's the disc jockey. And I'm like, um, the two mirrors on the side, I've been chasing these mirrors down for like eight months. He goes, 1974 Opal Manta GTs. Okay. And, and I'm like, Mr. Yates, you're not well. I mean, the, your caretakers would tell, have me send photos in for him to, to you know, Alzheimer's is terrible. And, uh, but he would remember those things and they would love it when I would call and talk to him. And so um, he was right. But there were 1974 Opal Manta 400 GT mirrors. And I have no idea why they're on the ambulance, but they're on my ambulance. So <laughs> we, we to, to the letter, did it built the, built the van exactly like they built it, and it did not work. And we had heating problems, and the Holly 850 is horrible. And um, just uh, Dick Landy, uh, it was not good. So 
I've had the van now for 20 years and um, we tried two years ago um, because everybody was doing cannonball COVID runs because there's nobody on the road, man. I mean, it was so rad. Like you could get out and be like three lane it, like, woo, everybody get off the road. Oh God. And you, you, you know, the cannonball run record fell six times in two months. Wow. And the current, the current record is 25 hours and 39 minutes from New York, to, from the red ball garage to the Portofino Inn. Okay. And in 79, they moved the starting line to the good wife shopping center in Darien, Connecticut, because the port, the only reason why they ever started at the red ball is that's where all, all of car and drivers test vehicles would stay. And when they found out that they were going to do another cannonball run in 79, had all the photographers and everything waiting at the red ball when everybody's up in Darien, Connecticut, getting ready to start this race. <laughs> so uh, a little shuck and jive, you know, it's, it's, you know, whatever. So, so the ambulance has never finished. And for me, for, I, I've always been a failure with the thing because it either never finished or it never started because it, sometimes it won't get its way out of the driveway. So we had to step back and be like, all right, we need to fuel inject this thing. And we had uh, Phytech come on for, a, for an attempt that Ed Bolian from Benwicky, myself and John Fakara from Fakara Classics, we tried about 18, let's see, no, we tried about two years ago and we left the Red Ball garage in the ambulance. Uh, made it through New Jersey and it made it to Pennsylvania and broke down. And oh. so it, it has had this never ending thing. And so we had the 2904. It didn't make it to the starting line. I had to see to see express. I've left Ed Bowling in New York without a ride two times now. So um, I was invited to do the Southern classic and it is a competitive cannonball run. And that was this last weekend. And that's why I'm able to chat about this thing because the, the cannonballers are like fight club. I mean, they are the best people and they do not talk. They keep their mouth shut and they will say, uh, I would be like, Hey, John, do you want to get uh, breakfast in New York tomorrow? And then you'd say, as you would say, as long as we get dinner in LA. Right. And so that means, you know, we're going on a cannonball. So um, Taylor Hall, which is a, a, a drifter, uh, he's in Formula D. He's incredible. He has a drift Cadillac, which is incredible. Um he puts on a thing every year. It's his fifth year called the Southern classic and the Southern classic is the Smokey and the bandit run. And so in the movie, Smokey and the bandit, they leave from Lakewood fairgrounds, which is no longer there. It was high five buys arena. And now it's called something else. But, you know, remember big Enos and little Enos is about to, their driver's about to win the Southern classic and the Southern classic is at Lakewood fairgrounds. And they go to Texarkana, Texas, and they get tourist beer. And then they run back to the Lakewood Fairgrounds. They're supposed to do it in 28 hours. And so I was invited to bring the ambulance to a competitive cannonball event with all the cannonballers and to uh, uh, finally try to see, and I'm like, there ain't no way. But um, for the last <laughs> year, um, Jared Pink, who used to be on Wrench Every Day, and now he has his own channel. He's always had his own channel, but it's been changed to the Questionable Garage. Just this big six foot seven Hulk of a man that has more knowledge about everything that makes a vehicle run than I have ever learned. So a year ago, we had a dinner at Ed's house and he was my plus one. Jared was, so I'm six, four, he's six, seven. We look like these two big goofy guys. Well, Ed's six, seven. So I said, Hey, if we ever, I, I want to try and get this Phytech off of here. And I approached Scott Kirk at Holly and Holly was really hoping that we would not complete the cannibal run on someone else's inferior product because 
they wanted to right the wrongs of 1979 with the Holly 850 that was on it. So they came on full board with the ambulance with Sniper, Holly Sniper fuel injection, and said, look, if anything, anybody can complete one of these things, we can. And Mr. Pink, I dropped the ambulance off at his place in, in Cleveland, Georgia. So for 11 months, he worked on it and it went to Holly Mo party and things like that and tinkered with it and to get it to where he thought it would be, it would go. And uh, it was a snowstorm last Wednesday in Indianapolis. Like I was literally going to back out last Wednesday. And I said, Mr. Pink, do you think this thing will do it? And he said, there's only one way to find out. So <laughs> it is, uh, it is 1,374 miles from Lakewood Fairgrounds to Texarkana, Texas, and then back to Lakewood. And so you have to drive there as fast as you can. And teams are released every 10 minutes and you have to go there. But you remember you have blue laws in Texas. They don't serve alcohol till 7 a.m. So you always want to kind of get your start time. And so you don't get there and wait on, have to wait for beer, which is ridiculous because then you're just adding time. So we left um, myself, Ed Bullion and Matt Bagley from uh, Octane Addicts. He's, a, he's Rob Pitts' former cameraman. And we needed somebody to document the, this mess in case that we broke down or in case it actually made it, which has never made it in 45 years. So we, um, and you know, like Lee one started all this stuff, you know, uh, finding Lee one and now, now owning the ambulance for the cannibal run. And when we fired it up, it, it, it was a completely different ambulance. Like it's, com and, and still has the big block 502 has a gear vendors transmission, four wheel disc brakes, Hellwig spy bars, Bilstein shocks, ridiculous, but it's still a brick with two sails on the roof of it. And it still drives horrible and still has a horrific driving position. And um, at 11.40, Ed Bolian jumped out of the pastor seat, clocked in at Lakewood Fairgrounds, and we're gone. So we're going as fast as the mighty ambulance would get there. At, at 21 minutes after 7 a.m., we arrive at the Paradise Truck Stop in Texarkana, Texas. So it made it to Texas. <laughs> and um, we get our beer. You have to get your beer and your receipt from that you got your beer at, at the paradise get back in the ambulance and turn around and start screaming back toward um atlanta and it it hit it was it was on rails like it has never been this fun to drive i've always had a hate hate relationship with this vehicle <laughs> and um we get to about 40 miles outside of birmingham and you can hear a little valve clatter because it's right there next to your knee but every time we go up a hill, I'm like, man, the oil's going to the back end of the, the pan. Maybe we should stop and put a, I mean, we've been hammering this thing for a thousand miles at 85 to hundred miles an hour, no matter what. So um, we pull in and uh, at this mom and pop truck stop, long story short, lift up the hood and things have changed since the last time I looked at it because all the Holly stuff's on it. We used to have like, like this little ski ramp tube that would put oil in the, in the trans or in the, into the, uh, in the engine. So I pull the stick and I'm like, holy crap. I mean, we don't have any oil in this thing right now. Um, so I, you know, put the little dipstick in it or put the funnel in and start putting, I put one quart in, two quarts in. I pulled it again and I go, man, this thing ain't got nothing on the damn stick. I go, how low is this thing? And I read it. And as I'm putting it back in, it says Dextron. So I just put two quarts of oil in the transmission. <laughs> Whoops. So we are. <laughs> 160 miles away from breaking the curse of the cannonball run from the train breaking the curse of the transcontinental back. And I have just put two quarts of VR zinc oil oh. Valvoline racing zinc into the trans. And I called Jared and he goes, Oh, where are you at? Where are you at? How are you doing? How are you doing? I said, if I put a quarter oil in the transmission, because things look different to me now, 
uh, than what I'm used to because he's done such a terrific job on this thing. Um, I said, is that bad? He said, we can run it through. We'll, we'll fly. We'll get it. Well, it may tear up some clutches, whatever. We'll fix it. I said, what happens if I put two quarts in? <laughs> oh, <laughs> he, he says, um, oh, have you started it? I said, no. He said, then all your oil is still in your pan. He said, and you have a deep, deep well pan on that thing. He said, drain it right where you sit. And so I ran in the truck stop. I said, anybody got a drain pan? And this is a mom and pop truck stop. No, I said, kitty litter. I mean, anything, because I'm at the one of the pumps, gas pumps. And um, no, everybody looking at me like I'm crazy. And I go, polar pop cups, like, give me anything. So we have like 20 of these polar pop cups, right? <laughs> and Matt Begley, I'm wearing all white because I'm in the camp, I'm in the ambulance outfit. Ed's all white. Begley's got black on. I'm like, get under there, pull the drain plug because it's a deep sump pump, a pan. And I said, if we can get the fluid out of here, the oil is sitting on top. You'll see it. It looked like a like an oil slick on top. And he pulled it, and it's nice and warm, but not like scorching hot. And it's coming out like water. Like you can't keep up with it. So there's one photo out there that'll probably be released that there's an absolute ecological disaster about 60 miles outside of Birmingham. Because <laughs> at, once we couldn't, we put about two polar pop cups worth and we just let it ride. So there was six quarts of transmission fluid and two quarts of oil underneath the ambulance and just uh, begly come back up. But the thing is, he says, start putting trans fluid in it. So we put six quarts in it. I put three quarts in the oil where we were supposed to put it in it. And um, I walked back in. I looked at the folks. I go, kitty litter. I mean, like this, the spill underneath this thing is the size of two refrigerators. And um, I looked at him and they looked at me like, no. And I go, if you had a diesel spill at one of the diesel pumps, what would you do? Do you have a diesel spill kit? And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. And I go, I looked at that. I go, dude, and we tried. So fired it back up, fuel, oil pressure, everything. I backed up away from the ecological disaster that I left at some pump. Because, you know, some <laughs> mom is stopping there and some kids get out with these new shoes and just went ass over tits and landed on because it's, I mean, it was just a mess, right? Just terrible. And so um, the last 160 miles, um, I drove it as hard as it would go. And we got off at the 75. So we're two miles away. We're about to break the curse of the Transcon Medevac in a competitive cannonball event. People have tried solo people. That's not a cannonball event, competitive cannonball event. So um, we get off at the 70, 75, 75 split there at the north and south. First exits, Lakewood Fairgrounds, come down to the stoplight. And I'm like sitting there like going like, and I'm kind of, it's kind of just a little pissing and popping, but it's, it's a little mad. But, and I'm like, why the hell isn't anybody going? Like, let's it's green. Like, let's, and here comes a real ambulance through the damn stoplight at the same time. And so, but it's going my direction. So the car goes in front of me. I turn right and I will full code my ambulance following his ambulance, whoever's <laughs> ambulance that was. And um, we had two miles to go on a two lane road and about about three quarters of a mile into that run uh, to the fairgrounds. The ambulance turned off and I just lit it up and and lights and sirens and blew multiple stop signs at ridiculous miles an hour. And there was a downhill run into the fairgrounds. And I knew we were coasting at that point. And we uh, we pulled in, and Ed jumped out of the pastures or out of the back end because Matt was filming everything, 
and out of the uh, sliding door, clocked in. And uh, the current Cannonball Run record holder, one of them is is uh, Doug Tabbitt. It's Arnie Toman and Doug Tabbitt. They did the twenty five thirty nine. And Arnie was or Doug was filming. And he walked around. He said, "Travis, how do you how does it feel to finally break the curse?" <laughs> and I was I was a crying disaster. And I'm I'm pretty tough right now. It was bad, but it was uh, wow. It uh, it was tough, but the generally stuff all led into fi- looking for star cars. And the whole reason why I was down near Lumpkin Campground Road again because we had our award ceremony at uh, at AMP at Atlanta Motorsports Park. Uh, I had driven by Mr. Shaw's place again. And uh, I haven't been there in, in, you know, 20 plus years and it, uh, it's completely different now. So yes, that weekend, last weekend, I'm, I'm hunched over cause it was the worst driving position ever, but I've been trying for 20 years to break the curse. I promised Brock Gates that I would break it and we broke it. So I don't know now with, with it, if we're going to, cause right now I'm driving Brock and Hal's ambulance and it's never been my ambulance. So um, it's probably time to modern Hemi this thing because um, we got six miles to the gallon. We had to stop seven times. Um, if you include the initial fill up, we stopped eight times to do 1,374 miles. And so it's probably time to, you know, keep it Mopar, but, but get a, get a modern cop car, like with like a Eagle heads on it and just a modern Hemi. So, um, but yeah, the General Lee turned into that. Uh, I've driven the Bluesmobile through the mall. I mean, we've uh, done a lot of stuff with old Chrysler's and old Hollywood star cars. And uh, like I said, if we would have not, as we originally talked, been kind of sat on my face, feet, hands and been like, there's so many hurdles. Where do you even start? Oh, wait, wait, wait. If I want to find Daisy Jeep, why do I begin? It's probably gone by now. If we would have had that mindset to begin with, the car would have been crushed and gone by now. So Travis, if people want to listen to more Travis Bell stories, Tell us how they can find you on uh, social media. Well, uh, hopefully we'll be back on the get out and drive podcast. Well, if you guys uh, are, are sick of, or not listening to me uh, talk about all of my goofy adventures, but uh, uh, of course I'm retro dish shock on Instagram. Uh, and then uh, I own a company called celebrity machines. So every uh, Hollywood star car license plate from back to the future to ghostbusters to movies that aren't even out yet, like the new transformers and things like that. We do the plates for, uh, we also do the plates for movies and or shows uh, like the mayor of Kingstown that's on Paramount and things like that. So we uh, produce all metal stamped Hollywood license plates. And then of course, uh, having a goofy friend named Ed Bullion, who is probably one of the greatest people uh, that I've ever met in my lifetime and, and just uh, made all his own luck. He's terrific. Uh, he owns VinWiki and uh, which turned from an app into a, into a YouTube channel. And the app is still very, very neat. You can find the history of your own car uh, and, or someone else's car. Uh, and you'll hear me jab it on there about the one that got away or something like that. And, uh, I'm kind of the one that, that generally grounds the channel because there's some pretty interesting people on there with vehicles that I would never be able to afford. But then I will say, you know, I'm really upset that my geo tracker got away or something. So, and then of course, if you guys have me back, we'll find some more ridiculous stuff to get after. Oh, we, we have to, we have to, we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch and we'll get you on the schedule and, uh, maybe you'll find some other ridiculous things. Uh, we have a, we have a go-kart race in my backyard in April and it's called the backyard 400. I have a one third paved road course in my backyard and, uh, (laughs) all the go-karts have to look like Shriner carts. They all have to have a body on them and they can't be more than six and a half or two twelve. 
So, uh, and every year, the winter winner of the Backyard 400 wins a 1989 Chevy Cavalier convertible, C24. So we gave one away last year. We have this year's ready to go. The night before is the U.S. Nationals, and that's the same go-kart that you have to race the day after in the Backyard 400. We had Ben come over from New Zealand to drive last year. We have Sam Hart coming from the U.K. to drive this year. And then, of course, Jared Pink is a six-foot-seven man that's going to drive in the go-kart race, too. Any, so, any Canadians in that race yet? Uh, not yet. If you're ready to come over, I mean, you can you can be the first uh, to plant the flag of O Canada and the uh, winter circle of the Backyard 400. So that's mid-April. Uh, you'll find information on that on Facebook, and it is absolutely ridiculous. People camp. It's like Talladega, uh, and it's just the greatest thing. And um, it, uh, my neighbor is the pace cart driver. Like it, it is absolutely fun. So, uh, Jason, you, uh, do, Jason, do they sell go karts? On racingjunk.com, they may sell. I, racing. I, think, I, I think I think I'm leaving. Travis, it's been great talking to you. I think I think I'm going to go over to Racing Junk and try and find me a go kart and jam the uh, get out and drive go kart together uh, and head over to uh, Travis's place. Love to see you, Jason. You got to find him a cart, but it's got to be a Shriner cart. You know, it's going to have a body on it. So there you go. <laughs> well, fantastic having you on here, and uh, stay in touch. Cruise on over to our website, getoutanddrive.com, for all the info you never wanted to know about our podcast. Hit us up on our listener hotline, be the first to know what's happening, get industry news, and grab your Get Out and Drive merch. Connect with us on social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Follow us on Twitter at Get Out and Drive Pod. What drives you? 